0: folks i have goosebumps mainly because for those that have been following the channel even for the last couple of months this episode right here i think it's going to bring a lot of things together now i do want to say that normally i start the episode off with an introduction of sort of putting you into the mindset of what we're going to be looking at you know again by saying you know you're a soldier you're a scientist something like this but Folks, uh, I mean no disrespect, this is far too important to even delve into anything like that. We need to get right into the nitty gritty of it and also... I did want to mention that for those willing to support the show, this is no disrespect to any other channel out there, but we don't run ads or anything like this. We are purely crowdfunded by you at patreon.com slash generation Z. We will actually be doing a follow-up to this public episode for the members-only content a, a little bit later today and at the latest tomorrow morning, but let's delve right into it. So first and foremost, a very special report. Zodiac using eg g to cover for the Orion Draco agenda in brackets Rockefeller diverging timelines etc now i want to be very clear here <clears throat> as excited as i may seem in this presentation let me say first and foremost with the utmost respect to all of you and and when i mean all of you i mean the audience i mean everyone in the ufo community the paranormal community all of it. I could be wrong here. This is just a proposal of mine. We're here to explore possibilities, ideas, theories, things like this. Now, without further ado, I would like to thank a handful of individuals for actually giving the motivation for this episode to come to fruition. Some of those people, I cannot say the names. You know who you are. Thank you very much. Other people, for example, like Alexi from Lucia's Labs, uh, Kurt Jaimungal from Theories of Everything. These are some people whose uh, uh, content I've uh, read, listened to, whoever have helped me bring this together as well as uh, micah from decoding the bible brandon expanding reality andrew deep share podcast i mean ani uh, mr winter dan winter um even to a small extent uh, even mr hal putoff who i've never personally met myself but anyways let's delve right into it so first and foremost <clears throat> let me just minimize my screen here now again i reiterate this with the utmost kindness please tell me folks if you think i'm crazy at, at, at once you've uh, watched the entire presentation here. So, luciuslabs.com slash the5dmultiverse. This is Mr. Alexi's website, and I would dare to say that, in my humble opinion, this is one of the best websites that describes the different multiverse concepts within that of the 5D, you know, I guess we could call sacred geometry realm, if you want to call it that. I would highly encourage you folks to please check out Mr. Alexi's website, luciaslabs.com. He does a beautiful job, in my opinion, of breaking down not just one concept, But multiple different concepts, we see here spirit diagrams, the crystal of time, Uh, Mr. Alexi also has a background in astrophysics and it's incredible to see the emergence of, you know, esotericism, spirituality with astrophysics. Point being is that I've recently said that... Maybe this is a bit much for someone like myself with no education to say, but physics may be the conspiracy. It is only one side of the coin, or maybe one side of a multi-pronged coin. Again, it's in the name, physics, physical. It's just one side of things, right? But let's take a look at this right over here. Time atom... And I quote, then designs a brand new physics based off of a light state harmony and conscious harmonics. We see our physical experiences being created by clouds of orbiting universes. We see that each conscious harmonic, or rather physical manifestation, is related to a certain orbit around the center of your experience the double slit experiment that proved that again with respects to quantum, uh, quantum realms and you know all of that is the truth is based on that of the perspective seems to substantiate this we discuss time dilations associated with each ring of perception and design an interdimensional telescope we see how consciousness is eternal true progress comes when we understand the process of light state harmony and conscious shifts now before I get into the real nitty gritty side of it that you folks probably really want to see I would like to thank very respected and humbly, Mr. Kurt Jaimungal from Theories of Everything. Kurt, brother, um, I know we don't know each other too well, but I want to thank you for this because based on Mr. Alexi, and I'd like to thank also Artisan Tony for introducing me to Alexi, based on Mr. Alexi's uh, writing right over here, and based on a recent episode with... Um, I forgot... Uh, please forgive me, Mr. Bach, and I forgot the other gentleman's name that uh, Kurt had on. There was something that was brought up that was quite interesting to me, which was that one of those individuals... Uh, far more intelligent than myself, said that there cannot be a theory of everything. Why can't there be a theory of everything? Because this is when it gets interesting. The theory of everything, sort of basically to understand what makes up everything all around us. Are we in a simulation? Are we in a video game? And this particular gentleman that Kurt had on really sparked my interest because he said there cannot be a theory of everything because once you discover the theory of, or the understanding the underlying principle of what makes something work, you then have another set of underlying principles that you don't understand how how it makes that work, and it just keeps going and going and going, which could explain why, on the surface level, there's now physicists and scientists and computer engineers coming up with these terms like stateless mathematics or physical realism. Honestly, folks, just my humble opinion, I'm not saying that that is any type of, you know, uh, word salad, uh, you know, uh, presentation, but those words just seem to be describing what seems to be unexplainable that we could argue is quote-unquote magic, so to speak, except, again, all due respect, these scientists seem to put those labels on it so they could sleep better at night because they simply can't explain it, right? Look up right now, folks, in real time, uh, stateless mathematics, physical realism. It's an unexplained phenomenon, if you will, but it seems to have some place within the universe that physics can't explain. Because, again, physics, just one side of it. Physical. Anyways. Let's delve into the really, really hardcore rabbit hole angle of things here, okay? And again, please tell me in the comments if you think I'm taking a bit of a leap, if this is a bit much, you name it. I'm always open to criticism because, again, I'm not saying I'm right and everyone else is wrong. It's just a, a proposal in theory that months of research has sort of led me to. So let's take a look. We see here that... According to LuciusLabs.com, right below the highlighted uh, words here, the fifth dimension then ties everything together to show that we live in a 5D multiverse. This would explain a lot of people currently saying that what's going on in Ukraine, you have it, actually has to do with higher realms. Now, I'm not going to delve into, you know, into politics. That's not my point here. Point being is that apparently there are higher realms of, I guess you could say, esoteric battle occurring that is now disseminating into this realm, which we call the physical realm. Now, take a look here. Reality is literally being stretched and crunched into existence. The layer we experience depends directly on the harmonization of our conscious antenna, a.k.a. the magic sphere. We can maybe argue this is the pineal gland, if you will. We discuss magic squares and energetic vortices. Now, here's what's interesting, folks. Okay, now notice this. We go back here. We see our physical experience is being created by clouds of orbiting universes, and we see that each conscious harmonic, or rather physical manifestation is related to a center orbit around the center of your experience, okay? When I see your, I see slid-eye experiment with respects to, again, what is real. I, honestly, we have no idea. Define real. We don't know. I, I mean, that's just my opinion, but I think that's what we're at at this point in time, even at the highest levels of intellectualism and science, right? We see here, each conscious harmonic. You know what's interesting about the term harmonic? It reminds me, believe it or not, of, uh, excuse me, this particular gentleman right over here, Mr. Don Phillips. Who was Don Phillips? Design engineer, former Lockheed Martin Skunk Works Division, CIA, United States Air Force. He's passed away, I believe, at this point in time, but he actually came forward in 2001 or two with Stephen Greer's disclosure project. And I, again, think of Mr. Greer as you will in today's modern day, but at the time, I must give Greer credit for assembling, I believe, over three or 400 military vets and others willing to testify in front of Congress pertaining to this. Now, Mr. Don Phillips. There's a whole one hour video where he talks about literally they've made handheld devices that can cure cancer in like what you see in Star Trek folks, like treat, diagnose, cure cancer, all of that. Here's what's interesting he brings up EGNG constantly over and over again. So let's take a look. What was EGNG? According to Wikipedia, EG, formerly known as Edgerton. Germanshausen and Grier was incorporated was a United States national defense contractor and provider of management and technical services. The company was involved in contracting services to the United States government during World War II and conducted weapons research and development during the Cold War era, excuse me, from 1948 and onwards. It had close involvement with some of the government's most sensitive technologies. Okay, the group's high speed in its early early history, the group's high speed photography was used to image implosion tests during the Manhattan Project. This is when it gets interesting. During the 1950s and 60s, okay, we see here, EGG was involved was involved in nuclear tests as a major major contractor for the Atomic Energy Commission. Okay eg made extensive use of the Nevada test site for weapons development and high technology mil- military testing at Nellis Air Force Base. Okay, now again, let's also keep in mind, these are, you know, um, I, g- I guess you could say uh, uh, contractors that we see quite often in terms of their names popping up. Notice this, EGG was involved in nuclear tests as a major contractor for the Atomic Energy Commission. Now, this is when I say this is my opinion, not a fact, okay? Allegedly, the Atomic Energy Commission, which was headed by Edward Teller... All right. At one point in time, according to video testimony by this gentleman here, Mr. Bill Uhouse, claimed that Edward Teller was sitting at a meet at a table with a handful of other engineers and scientists with another individual by the name of J-Rod. But here's what's interesting about J-Rod, so to speak. OK, if we take a look, uh, please forgive me one second. J-Rod looked like this. J-Rod was not human. Allegedly. I say allegedly this could be incorrect. OK, J-Rod was not human. And he had these lenses on, all right, with the with the eyes. Okay, apparently, they cannot, these beings, these greys, if you will, some of them are us, half uh, sort of human, sort of not, we'll get into that shortly, but they're very sensitive to light, which is why they have these goggles on. Now, what's interesting about the, the, the lenses, if you will, is that they're also technological devices. Here's what's interesting. Let's go back to EG&G, 1950s and 60s, okay, we see right over here, <clears throat> Uh, very quickly, um, during the 1950s and 60s, all right, we see here eg expanded its range of services, providing facilities management, technical services, security, and pilot training for the U.S. military and other government departments. eg builds a variety of sensing, detection, and imaging products, including night vision equipment, sensors for detection of nuclear material and biological weapons agents, and a variety of acoustic sensors. Acoustic sensors. That's interesting. Wasn't there a gentleman, by a, a British gentleman, I believe, who passed away at this point in time or from the UK, who was able to use acoustic levitation as just one form of propulsion? But let's put that aside for a second. Notice this. eg g builds a variety of sensing, detection, and imaging products, including night vision equipment. Allegedly, allegedly, we got, and I, when I say we, I mean humans, got a lot of our uh, night vision and what have you, from the lenses... Of, excuse me, um, the of this being right over here. Now, you might be saying, okay, Dave, vi- you know, I understand this is just your opinion, if you will. How can you substantiate this? Well, let's take a look at this video that has, by the way, yet to be, I would dare to say yet to be, um, uh, yet to be debunked, if you want to call it that. Because, again, I, I can't, I, please, I, I I really do, do mean this for those that, again, who... Um, who may want to d- debunk this or look into it, we're here to have an open discussion. I'm not here to say I'm right, you're wrong. Please let me know if you find this to be fake, but watch this video. And we have more to substantiate this. These are, I got this from the dark web. These are allegedly doctors working on a particular gray, all right, and we see here they remove the lenses of the gray, and then watch what happens, okay? We see that the the, the nose here, right, the nostrils, the mouth here. Now, watch what happens, when the goggles or the lenses, whatever you want to call it, are removed, you see the eye, right? Now, okay, it's hard to see. Allegedly, there's a slit within the eye. Now, I I want to say allegedly very strongly because we clearly the, the quality here is not good enough to, to, to confirm that. But you'll see very shortly why I bring this up. Again hazmat suits there's the, there's the, the being seems to be alive, not sure to what extent. Now keep in mind there's allegedly different variations of Grays according to Lieutenant Colonel um, uh, st- excuse me Staff Sergeant Clifford Stone. May he rest in peace as well. Okay, so we've seen this video, right? I called it, I labeled it insane for anyone that can see the, the title there, because, I mean, I, I was just blown away. Now, point being, okay, so we see this here. The Atomic Energy Commission was very close to EG&G. EG&G is also responsible for something called Janet Airlines. Janet Airlines, EG&G, uh, to a lot of people, is st- sort of a joke, if you will, stood for just another non-existent terminal. Alright, we see here, according to DreamlandResort.com, not exactly a mainstream media website. In the early two thousands, the JANA Airline was operated by EGNG, a private contractor firm. In two thousand two, the defense and services section of EGNG was acquired by URS Corporation, but the division continued to operate under the EGNG name until December two thousand and nine. Interestingly enough, according to their website, URS is a leading provider of engineering construction and technical services for public agencies and private sector com- companies around the world. Now this is interesting, okay, because we see here that again EGNG October 2014 URS, you know, Janet Airlines, it's all over the place, right? With Air Force Flight Test Center, Nevada Test and Training Range, all of that. Janet Airlines is not necessarily a secret airline, if you will. Point being is they're basically responsible in Las Vegas and allegedly elsewhere for transporting the scientists, engineers, the military personnel to to and from, you know, the the airport to the classified, uh, the Las Vegas airport, to the classified sites. Now, here's what's equally as interesting as well that I find quite peculiar, okay? Mr. Don Phillips also mentioned in that video, by the way, that, let me see if I can, uh, Bring up his picture again, very quickly for you folks. He brought up as well that E.G.N.G. is also, again, I have to say this carefully, responsible for asset transportation, retrieval, recovery, you name it. He also said there is a three-letter um, agency in the United States under contract uh, that is not the Air Force that again does this as well. I am of the opinion the National Reconnaissance Organization is responsible for retrieving. Um, whatever it is, bodies, craft, you name it, beings that come and go into this planet. Now, you might say, Dave, how can they track this? Well, folks, think about just like a hotel. You check into a hotel, the hotel knows you're there, but they don't know what you're doing in your room, right? It's the same idea when these beings come and go from Earth, allegedly. Now, that's not even the end of it, by the way. Let's take a look, before we get back to EG&G. So, we just watched this video, right, of the eyelids being removed. Okay, now see this right here? Keep this in mind. This is allegedly what the eyes look like with with the J-Rod image, excuse me, right over here. Okay, and this J. Rod was wearing a human shirt in the meeting with Mr. U. House and Mr. Edward Teller. Edward Teller was the father of the atom bomb. Edward Teller is the same individual that, again, I know Bob Lazar controversial. Claimed to that Bob Lazar claimed to have had a discussion with in two in the early 2000s. Mr. Teller seemed to give a response publicly that his lawyers seemed to tell him, where he basically tried to pull up Prince Andrew, essentially, and say, "Well, I never met Bob Lazar, but if I did, maybe I chatted with him." but if i didn't then i don't remember but if i did we may have talked so did you meet him or not you see what i'm saying folks that was a statement from mr teller vaguely i'm not i'm not i'm just paraphrasing please don't quote me directly now on that particular instance now here's what's equally as interesting take a look at this folks the 2002 Crabwood Crop Circle. All right. 35 years later, in 2002, an intrinsically fashioned spiral disc appeared in crops with a 1368 bit message for all humans on Earth. And it translated from binary, by the way, to this right over here in 2002 in the UK. Beware the bearers of false gifts and their broken promises. Much pain, but still time. Believe there is good out there. We oppose deception. Conduit closing. Okay, now for a lot of you that say, Dave, you're getting too hopeful, like this, this, this planet's doomed, so to speak, folks. By definition, the hermetic principles, Walter Russell's the universal one. By definition, if there is bad, there's got to be good. And truth be told, if there's good, there's got to be bad. So again, we have to consider that. Now let's keep this in mind as well, because again, does this face that was drawn by we don't know what not seem to be similar to that of what we're seeing in the video here? I'm not. Now let me also be very clear. I'm not saying that all these grays are bad. We have to keep in mind, just like humans, factions fund factions. We can't say everyone at E. G. and is bad. We can't say everyone in the U. S. government's bad. We can't. We can't throw them all into one bucket. Factions fund factions. Please keep this in mind, folks. Now, look at this. So this happened in 2002, right? Take a look. Reddit.com. Bill Cooper, ex-Navy intel officer, predicted Osama bin Laden false flag in June 2001. Okay, that's not the point in this case here, but that was also brought up, by the way, in uh, in, in the 2001 national press conference that Greer hosted with Mr. D- uh, Don Phillips because they said there was going to be a major event to redirect mass consciousness, but let's put that to the side for a second. He was killed, allegedly, by the CIA November 5th, 2001. He said in this video, it's a 15-minute video, I'm not going to play it, but the, the sources are in the description for those on YouTube, quote, asked, Asking Rockefeller for help with the alien problem was the bi- uh, was to be the biggest mistake Eisenhower ever made for the future of the United States and most probably all of humanity, okay? Why? Because, again, factions fund factions. The Orion Dracos, allegedly, are these reptilian shapeshifters who the Greys are working for, certain factions of the Greys. I say allegedly because I could be very wrong here, but it would make sense corroborating, again, Mr. Don Phillips... His claims, his statements, he talks about how they have teams all around the world that do asset retrieval and they penetrate bases and whatnot and underground bases. He also vaguely implied what seems to be conflated with what what is happening with QAnon right now about, I got to be careful publicly, we'll discuss more of this on patreon.com slash generation Z, but I want to be very clear, this has nothing to do with QAnon, but he also said there's underground tunnels, underground levels at certain hangars, He said to Steven Greer in this video directly, I could take you to the surface. I can't take you to the underground layers or the underground levels, excuse me. Now again, go back to the crabwood circle we see right over here. Bill Cooper said that asking Rockefeller for, uh, Eisenhower, asking Rockefeller for help with the alien problem was to be the biggest mistake Eisenhower ever made, right? And I don't blame Eisenhower per se. His, his granddaughter, a great-granddaughter, I mean, she, I mean, I have great respect for her as well. And to be fair, I also stand by what she says. Now, interestingly enough, though, this is when it gets really, really neat. EG&G, folks, okay? Also, I'm not sure exactly the financial details, so I don't want to say with confidence. But there was emergence with a company called Solaris, that was again, by the way, the found, uh, controlled by the Rockefeller uh, the Rockefellers. Now, not only this, but interestingly enough, let's go to SunnysJournal.com. Not exactly a mainstream media website. Reported by again, Dr. Michael Sala. Make of I understand make of uh, Dr. Sala and his work as you will. I have great respect for all in the community. Interestingly enough, we see here. This was just one person who claimed to be in the secret space program, and in 1981, David was sent to Area 51 for his initial training and induction into a joint secret space program called Solar Warden. He then was sent to serve on the Solaris, one of at least two large spacecraft belonging to the U.S.-French secret space program. Then he met with Maria Orsic, who trained him and other children to develop... To develop their psychic abilities. I can't corroborate any of that, folks, sadly, unfortunately with respects to um, Maria Orsik and whatnot, but it would corroborate Operation Paperclip after World War II bringing, you know, the, the, the Soviets got the telekinesis guys, the Americans got the materials knowledge guys, allegedly you name it. Now, interestingly enough, let's read between the lines here. 1981, David was sent to Area 51 for his initial training, okay? Before we get into that, notice how a lot of this took place in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s. But as of recently, not so so much and we'll corroborate that very shortly but interestingly enough this lines up in my humble perspective directly with Gary McKinnon when he saw the non-terrestrial officer sheet of solar warden if you will solaris that would make perfect sense because we know these people like to there's something there's an energetic and esoteric attachment in my humble opinion to some of the names and symbolisms that have been given and disseminated to the public Okay, now, this is when it gets interesting. So we've broken down this J-Rod with the greys and their their goggles and their, their lenses, if you will, and where it may have come from. Now, again, this is why I say factions fun factions. We can't say all greys are good, all greys are bad, you name it, because apparently there are some good ones, just like humans, just like humans, right? Now, Look here, stealthskater.com, not exactly a mainstream media website. This was, I believe, uh, condensed and put together by Miss Linda Moulton Howe. I have the utmost respect for her. So again, I'd like to thank you, Miss Howe, for, for doing this. <clears throat> now we see here, J-Rod's trying to alter the Earth timeline. According to Dr. Burrish, Dr. Dan Burrish, and I'd also like to say very respectfully that we have a great friend of our show, Jeremy Riss from Alien Scientist, who put on his website that he's of the opinion he does not believe Mr. Burrish's story, and that's fair. I respect that very much, by the way, uh, Jeremy, because we have to look at all angles here. Right? This is just one side of it. According to Dr. Burrish, the Ebens are here to try to alter our timelines, our future. The reason for this is that they, according to him, fantastic as it sounds, travel in time so they already know or know as a memory what happened here. There is a coming catastrophe that uh, drastically reduces the population of the Earth and splits the Earth into two populations. And these two populations, isolated from each other, evolve from what we know as Homo sapiens into two different species. Linda Moulton Howe then asks, are you saying that they know from our past timeline that there have been asteroid and cometary destructions of Earth and they have gone into the future and see another similar destruction? We see here, what I'm saying is that they evolved in our future according to the doctrine of convergent timelines. In other words, they come from our future and they have traveled backwards to our past, our current present. They're coming back because they're trying to, uh, Miss Moulton Howe then asks, are they coming back because they're trying to prevent some sort of catastrophe? They're trying to alter the timeline. Yes, apparently, whatever genetic traits this J-Rod inherited. And keep in mind, when speaking of the J-Rod, we're speaking of Mr. U-House commenting on, please forgive me, um, not Mr. Phillips, so sorry, guys, the J-Rod image right over here, right? Uh, let's go right back to that uh, transcript there. Apparently, whatever genetic traits this J-Rod inherited, they're suffering from some kind of defective gene which has caused neural degeneration in their system, or what Dr. Burrish calls a, quote, peripheral neuropathy. In fact, Dan was given the task of looking into the possibility of genetic reverse engineering to repair the Eben's degenerate system. Now, what's interesting about this is that... Okay. This is when it gets really tough because it's hard to say again allegedly this whole thing of all these greys and their species are dying apparently this is a lie that the greys also told eisenhower that they've told many other species on other planets as well i say apparently because i don't want to say that i'm speaking in, in a factual sense now take a look at this we see here according to the doctrine of the convergent timelines we see here that they evolved in our future, which would substantiate Lieutenant, uh, Staff Sergeant Clifford Stone's claims, at least on how he claimed w- with his interview in 2007 with Project Camelot, as to how timelines worked. Now, this goes back to Kurt Jaimungal's theory of everything, when there was a debate where one particular gentleman, uh, a fine gentleman, said there can't be a theory of everything because there's always unexplained holes in a new theory that you need to keep re-explaining, but those new explanations create new unexplanations. Well, again, isn't that the point of life, so to speak? Ascendance? It never really ends? Doesn't that also explain also these alleged extraterrestrials that have allegedly told people that they may be smarter than us, but they don't have all the answers themselves, and that actually is what makes them more humble, if you will? Interesting, isn't it? Now, take a look at this. Miss Moulton Howe asks, Did Dan Burrish have any idea of what the catastrophe is in the coming future? He cannot say specifically what occurred, however, he places it as happening approximately a decade from now. This, was, this interview was done in 2002, which seems 2012 may be the time period, which also, again, ironically, was the end of the Mayan calendar. Interesting that in the year 2012, there was a mass consciousness redirection... To that of the movie 2012. You guys remember that? I know this might... Maybe I sound like a fringe nutjob. But at the same time, CERN allegedly opened portals in 2012 that was quickly just brushed under the rug, if you will. Now, why do I say this with respect to convergent timelines being so significant? Because if we take a look at our great friend of the show, Micah Dank, and his his work, by the way, on the, the Zodiac wheel, and how the Zodiac has been used time and time again throughout ancient cultures to learn when to... Plant in order to survive. Uh, he he's also used it tremendously, in my humble view, to decode the Bible, as we've shown publicly. But there's much more on patreon.com uh, slash Generation Z. But interestingly enough, we see here that, again, according to Mister Micah Dank, take a look at this. It takes two thousand one hundred and sixty years, okay, for the Earth to go through each sign. If I'm not, if I'm uh, quoting this correctly, each sign of the zodiac. Okay, and that's it's two thousand one hundred and sixty years to go through one sign. All right. Now, in total, after you go through all 12 signs, that adds up to twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty years. Why does it seem like every twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty years? Excuse me. Interestingly enough, there's this right over here. Please forgive me. I just want to make sure that uh, we have this. Uh, Please this right here. This is where Antarctica is, allegedly, you know, the poles, so to speak this would explain the plasma apocalypse theory because allegedly every 25,920 years the earth sort of flushes itself out but how could it flush itself out if there's nothing on the inside or if it's it's if it's dense on the inside it's not dense it's not dense we're going to cover in an, in an upcoming members episode a beautiful map that we um uh, of uh, <clears throat> that allegedly was the map that explained to the nazis how to get to agartha and it said your compasses all that stuff is just going to go Haywire, ignore it. This would corroborate Admiral Byrd, all of that. Excuse me. Interestingly enough as well, this is when it gets even more interesting. You want to talk about being in a video game or simulation, if you will, and the Zodiac signs and and the cycles uh, feeding some type of energy um, mechanism. And I'm not, by the way, excuse me, I'm not saying that it's good or bad. It's not for me to say. Let's go back very quickly to Project Carrot. Okay, so take a look at this right over here. This is uh, bibliotecaplates.net again, a beautiful indexing website. Now we see here the, all right, we see here that this was a whistleblower who came out in 2007, who said that he didn't want to give his name out publicly because he would have been able to be narrowed down to just one of 30 or 40 individuals that worked on some language in a compartmentalized program. Of the carrot program, for those not familiar, carrot stands for a commercial application uh, research of extraterrestrial technology. And this whistleblower also faxed online a lot of these documents here as well, too. Interestingly enough, so make of this as you will. Now, take a look here. He goes into great detail about his time there and what have you, anti-gravity, the system of symbols, and the quote-unquote language. But he doesn't want to call it the language because it's more than that. Now, interestingly enough, take a look at this. <clears throat> Upon much closer inspection, this is from his his whistleblower statement in 2007, we began to learn that the, the material, like the metal of the craft, all of that, was actually one big holographic computational substrate. Each computational element can function independently, but they're designed to function together in large clusters. I say it's holographic because you can divide it up into smallest, the smallest chunks you want and, fi- and still find a scaled-down but complete representation of the whole system. Does that not remind us of fractals? Concentric circles? Right. Not only this, by the way, Bob Lazar claimed this as well. I know Lazar, he's quite controversial. I, I, I know, I get it. With that being said, though, this stuck out to me. We began to learn that it was actually one big holographic computational substrate. Again, I'm not saying this is fact. I'm just throwing ideas out there. We're here to explore ideas. Would this corroborate the alleged uh, proposal that the Greys view us as quote-unquote containers I know that's just one label amongst many and we have to be vigilant of giving uh, sticking with certain labels because we can then be um, have a bias towards that label we have to be careful but point being is that does this not remind us that if we are in a simulation it's like these beings have to enter the video game in order to, to, to get to us which would substantiate Jacques Vallée's proposal. And again, I don't mean to take Mr. Vallée out of context whatsoever. I have the utmost respect for him. But this seems to validate Mr. Vallée's proposal pertaining to that of, again, the phenomenon seems to be just out of reach, but just enough within reach for us to say, yes, we experienced something, right? Which would corroborate the zone of proximal development. The zone of proximal development is this right over here, right? Zone of proximal development... I know for those that are members on Patreon, we've brought this up lately, but this is quite a bit. But this is what I've been gearing up towards. This is us. Things the learner can do on is on our own. We're in the center, right? By the way, notice the concentric circles and the fractality of it. But anyways, then in this, in the middle here, zone of proximal development. Things the learner can do with help. This seems to me, in my humble opinion, the way in which I interpret Mister Valet and Eric Davis's work of all, uh, which I have great respect for this seems to be where the phenomenon enters because the outer layers where the things the learner cannot do is and we can't reach there without help this seems to be the entry point of the phenomenon now this is when it gets a little bit more i guess down the rabbit hole so to speak and i say this because it gets a little bit more complicated so let's take a look thanks to the black dot uh, com i believe mr john greenwald uh, docs.google this is the wilson leak pdf uh, thank you very much sir um Again, I have nothing but respect for for almost everyone in the UFO community. And let's see here. This is a conversation between uh, Eric Davis and Admiral Thomas Wilson, if I'm not mistaken. Now, take a look at this. This is the transcript, right? Some of you may know quite extensively what this is all about. But I have a a personal perspective on a particular uh, uh, conversation uh, of the transcript here. So, look at this. Uh, Thomas Wilson... said here they were agitated about my calling because he made three calls to the program manager right pertaining to why he wanted to find out about again secret unacknowledged special access programs you know et tech all of that they were very testy there was a very testy tone from all of them eric davis says what do you mean admiral wilson says they were agitated about my calling surprised by the call I told, I, I'm just going to skip over some of this stuff just to summarize it, folks. I told I read their program record in the OUSDAT Special Program Records Group and wanted to know about their cl- crashed UFO program, what their role in that was, what they had, etc. Also, if they heard of MJ-12, or allegedly Majestic 12, or some such organization code relating to crashed, recovered UFO craft, they said, um, a reaction on the phone to that? Yes. Asked who I talked to before I called them, so I told them and they weren't happy with the answer. Right? Anyways, let's carry on. So let's continue down the conversation a little bit, and we'll see here. I told Threesome I wanted... There were three individuals that Mr. Wilson told he wanted a formal briefing on the phone of a tour, etc. Was exploiting my regulatory authority as deputy director of the DIA and assistance of the Joint Chief of Staff of the J2. Told them my not being briefed was oversight they needed to correct. I demanded this. They needed to discuss this demand, so they hung up. I got called two days later, and they said they don't want to talk on the phone and arrange for face-to-face meeting at their facility. Eric Davis asked, did you go? Thomas Wilson, allegedly, let me say allegedly because none of this is confirmed, allegedly. Um, Thomas Wilson says, yes, 10 days later, mid-June or so. I flew out there, met in their conference room in their secure vault. Three of them showed up. Now, some of you might be saying, Dave, why are you reading this stuff? We can read this for ourselves. I think this is the part in which we talk about compartmentalization and how it ties back to EG&G. So take a look. According to Eric Davis, three guys with whom you had the telecon, uh, Admiral Wilson says yes. The same three, a corporate attorney, program director, and security director, NSA retired, a CI expert, called themselves the watch committee or gatekeepers. Why that Fraser name? I asked. They said they were formed out of necessity to protect themselves after a near disaster in the past almost blew their cover. Something to do with an agreement that was reached within a couple of Pentagon SESs overseeing SAPs in those days. They were vague about when that was. Okay? Now... Wilson says, they said years ago in the past, an audit investigation led to them and it wasn't supposed to. They were nearly outed. A battle, a nasty back and forth between them and the investigator and his Pentagon chief ensued like a tug of war for program transparency. They told me money was the issue. Their hiding out became the other issue. Again, why would money be the issue? I, I'm not, I'm going to leave that there. Again, for those on the member section, we delve into that. But point being, take a look at this right over here. Um, he was officially briefed given tours shown their program. Alright, so now we notice here, did they show him a craft or hardware they said was alien or or from a UFO or anything like this, okay? Thomas Wilson says, didn't say any more about that, alright? What's interesting about all of this is that Admiral Wilson says, they said my tickets were all confirmed and valid, but I was not on the bigot list. I didn't meet the special criteria, so need to know authorization was not being granted, and my tickets alone were not enough. Okay. interestingly enough, I would dare to say, by the way, see, we see here that eventually uh, Wilson was told that there was a reverse engineering program. Tech had been recovered. Right. Interestingly enough, though. That the program manager, when Admiral Wilson asked where it came from, was not from this earth. This is the part I wanted to bring up, folks. This is the part I think, just my opinion, Admiral Wilson was lied to about. They said they were trying to... Those three individuals in the secure vault said they were trying to understand and exploit technology. Their program was going on for years and years with very slow progress. Agonizingly slow with little or no success. Painful lack of collaboration to get help from the outside community. Tough environment to work. All of that stuff. There were, uh, again... You know, they, the, uh, they were basically saying that you know we're making little to no progress. Ah. Uh. I call BS on that. I think, with all due respect, that uh, Mr. Uh, Wilson was lied to in that one particular regard. Again, this is just my view. Why do I say that he was lied to? Because it would substantiate what Gary McKinnon had seen and what have you. Not only this, but this was around the same time in which there was an alleged attempt to disclose all of this. And if we head back to EG&G and the, the video testimony from Mr. Don Phillips, what we'll find is that... It seems as though EG&G, again, this is my of my own humble opinion, based on certain things that I cannot present publicly at the moment for the time being. I know I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think e- EG&G is partly responsible for all the compartmentalized information having to do with Los Alamos and this particular faction of humans working with a particular faction of ETs that were also transporting humans that they abducted based on the greedy sign the, the treaty, excuse me, the Griotta Treaty signed with Eisenhower they were using egng and the underground complexes underneath E.G. to bring them to and from off-planet and i say this because interestingly enough if we take a look for example at the archives.gov of the atomic energy commission you're going to i'm I, i'm not going to go through all of it right now folks you're going to find some really interesting stuff let's just put it that way and you parallel that with the department of energy it certainly makes sense. Now, again, let me keep this in mind as well. That the, Let's also note the Department of Energy was not officially founded until 1977, but there were factions of individuals that were working on the Manhattan Project that were solely responsible for that designation of its official founding. Not only this, but at the same time, we find that, again, who was in charge of all of this? Edward Teller, the same gentleman who Bill Uhaus claimed was sitting with J-Rod at the meeting that they had. So, so make of that as you will. Again, I, I could be totally wrong. I'm just trying to connect the dots truly, okay? Now, interestingly enough, this is what gets really interesting that I wanted to bring up too. The reason the factions' agendas keep changing is because nothing is ever set in stone, so to speak. There's allegedly a Galactic Federation, all of this, but it has to do with something called transition states, Okay, transition states that seem to corroborate what Mr. Alexi on LuciusLabs.com claims of claims of conscious harmonics seems to corroborate what Bill Ewhouse said about how the Greys had brought over a test simulator that was also corroborated by Don Phillips in this same video testimony and there were no need for windows because these beings flew the simulator using conscious harmonics. So again, maybe I seem a little bit all over the place. But again, we also have to keep in mind, folks, that actually, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to push it too much. Point being, again, thank you so very much, folks, for watching and listening. I hope that I didn't take up too much of your time. I did not mean to again. Um, again, this is just my opinion. Please tell me if you think I'm crazy or if this makes sense if you see everything adding up so to speak. Notice that this has to do with had to do with the faction of human beings and ETs that were aligned with the Department of Energy, with the Department of Defense, with the Air Force particularly, which I don't think it's a fluke that even today the Air Force is the most hesitant faction of the of the of the pent of the army if you will, sa- willing to discuss ETs and what have you. So, again, there's there's a lot there too. Thank you so much, folks. I did not mean, again, I know I mentioned a lot of names from those in the UFO community. I have the utmost respect for all of you. Um, I, I meant no disrespect if I said anything that may uh, you may interpret um, maybe unintentionally. With that being said, thank you so, so much. Maybe I'm a crazy person. Maybe I'm not, guys. Let me know. Cheers.